God bless you saints, it's lovely to see you again Let's just pray before we start Oh mighty God, Heavenly Father Lord we thank you that you're victorious Lord our lives don't feel like that sometimes We just feel as though we're caught in a maelstrom of things And Father we don't see the victory that you won But Lord we feel your presence tonight We thank you for that victory Lord And that song earlier about the church Not being made manifest victorious Lord that's what we want to manifest We want to show your victory What you won in the cross And Father that all the world might see What you've done for us That we can live a happy Victorious life No matter what's happening Lord we just ask for your presence tonight Father I ask for you to help me I'm not used to standing here with these folks I've been elsewhere Lord But this is my first time And it is uh, a bit nerve wracking So I pray Father God you guide me And you help me And Lord I wouldn't get caught up in my own thoughts But only yours tonight Lord ask Bless the folk Lord Let it be a blessing to them as your word goes forth Let it touch their hearts I ask in the mighty name of Jesus Amen Oh God bless you saints Um, Yeah I've been praying obviously It was very kind of Graham to say I could do this So as you do as a Christian You go out and you pray And you ask the Lord for for a word And the way I tend to do that People that know me is I jump in my car late at night And I go out and I pray And I go into the countryside Um, I'd like to say that's because I'm really spiritual But really it's because if I sit in the house I fall asleep so I go out and I seek the Lord And I was out oh, a while back now When I first thought about this And the, the word of the Ten Commandments came into my head When I was praying Now that's not something I would necessarily talk about You know it's not something that, that I think about a lot in the Ten Commandments So when it popped in I thought Lord what do you want me to do And it struck me first of all That I didn't think I knew all the Ten Commandments because we think we know them, and I thought I did. You just automatically, oh, of course you do. I saw them on TV with that boy Charlton Heston, and he brought them down. And yeah, of course. So anybody here can come up and tell me all the Ten Commandments. Who's going to do that? Go on. A challenge. Can anybody come up and take t- all the Ten Commandments? Does anybody think they know them all? Is anybody confident? Anybody? Right, I'll read them. Okay. Because this is the thought I had, you just assume, there's things in your Christian life that you assume, of course I know the Ten Commandments, I've, I've heard them, and I know them, and I've read them. But sometimes, as, as Michael said today, we, we just float over the top. You read it and you don't absorb it. Just assume. So anyway, so here it is, so let's, this is from Exodus, okay? And I, I'm sitting in the car, so I use my phone, so I've got my phone out, but I'll read it from here. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So there's God instantly stating who he is. He's setting the scene. This is God talking. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down before them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the Lord the name sorry, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but on the seventh day, the day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God, in it you shall do no work. 
You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is without your gates, sorry, within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honour your father and mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbour, you shall not covet your neighbour's house, you shall not covet your neighbour's wife, you shall not, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbour's. I like that we list at the end. <laughs> It does go through them. I mean, that could go on and on, doesn't it? But he just says everything, so just don't cover it. So I'd read them, and I, I, I just thought, do you know what? That's strange. That's what God brought. And it just struck me as being, when I looked at it, I thought, that's unusual. So hold that thought. I'm going to come back to why I felt it was a bit unusual, right? But obviously, the Ten Commandments are of absolutely vital importance. They're the foundation of what God was about to give to Israel, which was the law. So he chose ten key things to underpin the whole law that he was about to give. And if you read the law, it's incredibly complex. And to me, a bit dull, some of it. Don't do this, don't tie your donkey to an ox, etc., etc. But it was God's plan for Israel. But these ten commandments were the foundation. And we know it's important, the ten commandments, because he actually spoke them to the people. So I'll read from Deuteronomy 5 in verse 2. If you want to turn to that just so you can follow. And this is Moses recounting what happened when the Lord spoke. Okay, back in Exodus, this is his retelling of it. Deuteronomy 5.2 The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord did not make his covenant with our fathers, but with us, those that are here today, all of us that are alive. So it's a live, living thing. Moses is reminding this isn't something a way back. We're not talking about Abraham now. We're talking about you people. This is alive now. And it says, the Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. So all two and a half, three million, whatever you think the number is, were standing at the bottom of the mountain. They couldn't touch it, remember? The Lord had forbidden them to go near the mountain, forbidden them to touch it, but they were told to stand. Huge crowd, you can imagine it being about a mile long and a mile wide, the whole of the camp of Israel standing. And God came down in the mountain, and he actually spoke to them from the midst of the fire. And Moses said, I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire and did not go up on the mountain. He said, these words the Lord spoke to you, all your assembly in the mountain from the midst of the fire, the cloud and in the thick darkness with a loud voice. And he added no more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. So the Lord spoke the Ten Commandments in the presence of the people and then he stopped because the people were terrified by that time. <laughs> They'd had enough of God's voice, we know that. They were just too afraid to hear any more and God wrote it down. So the Ten Commandments are the first recording that we have of God speaking in front of his whole people. They'd seen his wonders and miracles. 
They come out of Egypt, they'd seen the whole of na- the nation of Egypt completely destroyed. They'd experienced something tremendous. You can imagine now if that happened in Britain. Imagine a hailstorm that came over the whole of Britain and killed all the cows. Imagine flies throughout the whole of the UK. There's something you can't even imagine. The clay turn into blood. These people had witnessed all that, but they hadn't heard the voice of the Lord directly. And God chose this moment because he had something special to tell them. And that was the Ten Commandments. And it's also the first recorded time that God wrote anything down. He'd never done that before. God used a scribe. Moses wrote the first books of the Bible with his own hand. But the Ten Commandments, God done that. Actually put it on stone. And there's only two other occasions. Can correct me if I'm wrong. Anybody where God wrote? That's when he wrote to Belhazar on the wall. Meany, meany, tickle your fasten. You've been tried and judged and you've been found wanting. Yeah? And then the only other one, God and a man, Jesus, they wrote on the ground. Didn't he do it very often, did he? So this was important. So the Ten Commandments were imperative. And when you think about it, God was creating a nation. They'd been under bondage. They weren't their own nation. You know, it's a bit like the Irish feel about Northern Ireland. You know, the Catholics there feel as though they're under bondage. Some Scottish feel as though we're under bondage. (laughs) It's a bit much in the nation we live in, but, you know, we've got a lot. But people feel like that. But this was God fulfilling the promise. We'd spoken to Abraham. They'll be under bondage. But I'll bring you out. And this was the fulfilment of that. So for that nation, for these people, God had a plan. He had a law that he wanted. It's not like Nicola that would get us all out and then decide do we have a pound or a dollar or what do we do? God had it planned. He had a constitution, a set of laws that he wanted these people to live by. And it was codified. God brought all his thoughts, all his thoughts for a nation. This is how I want you to live. And he was giving it to Moses to write down every single detail. So it was a fantastic thing and these ten commandments were to form the basis of that. And the Bible says that the law, and this is really important, the law would separate them from the other nations. The Egyptians had a law, didn't they? Of course they did. Every nation had the law, the law of the Medes and the Persians, but the law that God gave them. If these people lived by that law, people would see a difference. Is that not true for us? If we live by the word of God, the whole point is people will see a difference. And God did that plan the way back. So Deuteronomy 4, it says, See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, as Moses talking again, so that you may follow them in the land that you're entering in. So they're going into the land that God's provided them this law to live by. Observe them carefully. For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, Surely... This is a great nation. It's a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their God near them? The way the Lord, our God, is near us whenever we pray to him. So it was to set them apart. So the Ten Commandments, as I say, they formed the basis of that. So the law was to sanctify them and also just to clarify how important the Ten Commandments were it was to show them the way to life and the way to death because when God said if you do this you'll get a blessing, if you don't do it you'll get a curse Yeah. so I just wanted to frame the importance of the Ten Commandments to the people 
and I read it and I'd thought about it and I thought my goodness look, look, look at this God's setting up his nation the way he does with us and he's given us a new testament he's setting up his kingdom on earth and he's done it back there and that's the way he's got a set of guidance, rules, laws for these people and I read it through and I thought but it's strange and I'll paraphrase the ten commandments right? and I'll tell you why I think they're strange because I've got a cheek how am I to tell God his commandments are strange right? I hope he's, he's alright with it but there's, there's a reason okay so if I was going to set up a nation I'd have something in my mind but this is what God says if you paraphrase the ten commandments have no other gods right well that's fine we all understand that have no other gods these are people that have just come out of Egypt where they've got pictures of gods all over the walls ones with crocodile heads and dog heads and all the rest of it so he's talking to people that went oh yeah I get that lots of gods one god we get that okay don't make idols and worship them because the Egyptians were idol worshippers don't take my name in vain now that's a funny law to have to underpin a nation isn't it imagine Nicola became the queen and she made a law keep picking on me Nicola it's no fair on her she's alright or Theresa May made a law that said oh by the way don't take my name in vain that's the new law for the country that's one of the most important laws if I hear anybody in the street taking my name in vain you're in trouble, you're going to jail how strange is that for a law for a nation take a day off work to honour God what, seriously a law for a nation what? there's a hundred other laws that we would think in our human condition that you would put before take a wee day off and go to church but God's deeper than that the next one is really strange I think is a law for a country be nice to your mum and dad country's got that in their statute book you can imagine them all sitting in the house of parliament and there's the next law we're going to pass is be nice to your mum and dad what? what? seriously? unusual and that's why I'm saying it's unusual because it just isn't the way the world thinks they're not the laws that any human being would come up with are they? you just wouldn't go there don't murder, we all agree with that that's something that seems sensible and right, of course it is don't commit adultery Imagine that being a law in this country. Half the country would be in prison. It would be horrific. There'd be nobody left in the street. They'd just come round and everything. So go to France, go to Paris, where it's a blooming. It's, you're meant to have a mistress. If you don't have a mistress, you're something, you're a weirdo. They'd all be in jail. God's laws are unusual. God's ways are not our ways. Yeah? So the laws that He picked, the Ten Commandments, the underpinning of this nation was so different from human thinking. I can imagine the people coming down and they hear God speak and they've got the tent and they go, Oh, that's not what I thought. I was expecting maybe something a wee bit different, but what was God? Don't steal, we get. Understand that, you don't want to steal. Don't bear false witness, don't lie about your neighbour. Imagine we get put in prison for lying. Oh, ow. Gossiping and talking about our neighbours and saying things. Oh, my goodness. Imagine that being in the statute books. And you're sitting and you're chatting with your mates and you say, well, see him up there? I don't like him. I think he's done such and such. And there's a knock on your door. Did you say that? How strange. Different way of thinking to us. And don't covet your neighbours' neighbor's stuff. And we gave the list, donkeys, etc, etc. Imagine that today. The whole of consumerism is built in me wanting to keep up with the Joneses. The whole of capitalism and consumerism is me looking up the street and going, I want a BMW like his. In fact, no, I want a better BMW than his. And there's a wee spate of extensions going on in our street at the moment. You know, one person got it and everybody else went, 
I must have an extension. We live in big houses. We don't need an extension. But these are God's laws. And they're unusual because they're God's laws. It just struck me that no nation in its right mind nowadays, you know, the way we are in the world, would have these laws. They would have certainly laws like don't murder. That's fine, isn't it? We all agree with that, yeah? Don't hurt people. We get that. Don't steal. But I think the next law that we might see if we were writing a statute for a worldly country now would be don't discriminate. You know, don't say anything about Catholics or Protestants or don't sing on songs or whatever it is. Everybody's got to be treated equal. They'd want the right to vote in there. Ten Commandments, right to vote. Did anybody hear me mention that? Thou shalt all have the right to vote. No, it's not there. The right to shelter, food, security and equality. Human Rights Act. God never put any of them in. God's laws are unusual. And we're an unusual people. It's always been the same. He doesn't think like any of us. He doesn't think like the nations of the earth. And the reason he doesn't is he went, do you know what? See all your statutes? Tear them up. I've got a certain way I want my people to live. And when they live that way, they'll be different. And that's what God asks for us today. Not under a law, not under Ten Commandments, but by his spirit. And what does the Bible say? He says there'll come a time when the Lord will write the law on our hearts. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law. The Bible says that. He came to fulfill the law. Right, I'll make it very clear what I understand about this. And if you disagree, that's fine. If you want to see how the law acted out, right? If you want to see how to really live the law, if you want to know what it meant, if you want to understand the Ten Commandments and see a man that fulfilled them, look at Jesus. He fulfilled all the law. What a beautiful life he lived. There was no anger and malice. There was no judgment. It was the love of God. And he took some of the laws when the woman came that was in adultery. And they were all, yeah, 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 we've got the law. Look, look, God said it, God said it. Oh, I'm sorry. She's forgiven. Have any of you you cast the first stone? Who's not sinned? No. Look at Christ to see how those Ten Commandments were filled. So those Ten Commandments are incredibly, incredibly important still today. Because whether you like it or not, they're in you. God's put them on your heart. Yeah? There's a reason for that. Because he knows if we didn't have it in our heart, we'd just be out there doing whatever. Thou shalt not murder. Jesus says if you even look at somebody in anger, you call them the wrong name, you're as good as murdered. So we need his spirit. He hasn't done away with it. It's still there, but it's in us. So his kingdom today is underpinned by the same principles that Israel was underpinned by. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Jesus was with them in the desert. We know that. The Bible says that. That same spirit hasn't changed. God's the same yesterday, today and forevermore. So his commandments are unusual. I'll just watch my time here because I don't want to be full three hours. How can he manage that? Right. So let's look at some of his commandments. So I'm a questioner. And I don't necessarily mean I question everything God does. I just like to say, why does the Bible say that? Why, why, why? That's what I do in my job. I ask lots of questions to get them to say the answers I want. That's a bit more cunning, right? Enough. But that's what it's about. I like to question why things happen. So I thought, do you know what? I'll go through the Ten Commandments and just see why God was expressing what he was expressing. So the first commandment we can all agree on, you shall have no other gods before me. Right? Now in the Hebrew, the words before me means faces. 
you can check that. Okay, in Hebrew that word's before me. That, that was strange. I read that and went, oh, it says faces. It actually says, you shall have no other faces. Right? So what God's saying there is, look, the only face I want you to seek is mine. We've been singing songs about that. I think that's really nice, you know, you shall have no other faces. Having God in the centre of a nation just makes a lot of sense. And having him in the centre of our life makes a whole lot of sense. In Second Chronicles, this is a scripture we've all heard a million times, but we'll read it. If my people who are called in my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal the land. So we want, we, you know, I've, I've been here a few months and the people here have a real desire to, for the community, a real love for the community and want to see the Lord lifted high and the Lord brought into the community and he changes lives if you make him the centre. So if we make him the centre here and we make him in our lives, he can be the centre there too. Anyway, first commandment simple, okay. So the next one. You shall not make yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. Okay, so, you know, I've had the debate, should I have a statue of a horse because it's an image? Yes, you should have a statue of a horse, just don't bow down to it, right? Okay, but the important thing is when God says there, he talks about image, Remember we mentioned face? Yeah, so you're making another face, right? Now, that doesn't matter today for us. Nobody here's got a wee shrine at the bottom. Have you got a wee shrine at the bottom of your garden? No. You don't have a wee idol in it? Sandy? No. No, you don't like joysticks and ring a bell? Good. Glad to hear it. Harry, you've stopped that now? Good. Well done, brother. Kept, kept saying, doesn't he look good? Doesn't he look good? We don't have that. Go to India, and they do. And in the days then, as I said, in Egypt, aye, that was all different faces, all weird, kind of strange gods with funny faces that got worshipped. But we don't have that. So we don't need to bother with that, do we? Aye, you're laughing. Maybe not. Aye. Do you know what? We have got millions of faces being transmitted 24-7. We were talking about this earlier. Being constantly transmitted and constantly trying to get our attention. Do you think the media is there for your good? Do you think they're there because they want you to be happy and thingy? They're there to get your money. They're there for power. They're there for their own pride. And these faces are just constantly being pounded at us. And you know what's really interesting? See if you've got a wee idol. It's an emotional thing. So if you go and pray to your wee idol, not that Harry does anymore, but if you do go and pray to your wee idol, you're looking for emotional support. And these faces that we see all the time, television, internet, well I don't watch the telly but I do watch the internet, that's me, right, I don't have a telly but I've got the internet, right, they're wanting to get an emotional hold on us, they have an emotional pull, now an idol's just a bit of stone so you could get down at the end of the garden and be like, this is rubbish, I'm just sitting here and there's a wee block of stone but you know, maybe I'll get something out of it, maybe my crops won't fail, whatever it is. But see when you watch the telly, who wanted to see who won Strictly Come Dancing? Who watched every one of, you know, Game of Thrones or whatever? It's a completely different experience. It's there to grab your emotions. So that you spend time in front of that face, and if you're spending time in front of those faces, I hate to say it, you're not spending time with the Lord. 
Now it is nice and comforting. You know, I watch the telly, it switches off. I watch kind of one program, Top Gear, which everybody hates, right? Because of Jeremy Clarkson. Well, it's not perfect. <laughs> but that's it, it's only on once a year. But anyway, there's an emotional tie. So we don't have idols that we seek. We don't seek those kind of faces. But what we do seek is the faces on TV and the media, pop stars, film stars. That's what's worshipped in this world. And I'm not saying us as a group. Because I'm sure nobody here spends any time watching television or thinking about these things. But that's the way the enemy works. That's why God said, no other faces. No other faces. He's a jealous God. He says that. He's a jealous God. The reason we've not to do it is because he's a jealous God. And jealousy, oh that's terrible, but it's the same jealousy that you've got for your children. That you want the best of them. Yeah. I don't want me Micah watching 18 videos. I don't want him sitting in front of the telly all the time. I don't want him just absorbing all this stuff and getting emotionally tied to it. And they want to be superheroes and all the rest of it. I want him to be a Christian. I want him to grow up knowing the Lord. And that's a distraction. So I won't say any more about that. But there are millions of faces. And Psalm 105 says, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. I'll do one more, okay? And then I'll not take too much longer. The third commandment, okay? So you shall not take the name of your Lord God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We've all heard that before, haven't we? We all know about taking the Lord's name in vain. Who can tell me what that is? Come on, class. (laughs) Can anybody tell me? Annabelle, come on, you can talk out loud in a church. For goodness sake, hen. Tell me what it is. In appropriate ways. Yeah, the name above all names. So you don't take it lightly when you speak it. Yeah, you don't use it as a sweary word. Nobody likes hearing that. Yeah, however, there is a much, much deeper meaning to that. A much deeper meaning to that scripture. Because if God was really only worried about people using his name as a sweary word, we'd all be dead. Because everybody out there does it. Anyway, we just give up. There's a much deeper meaning to that. The Hebrew word, take, right? When the Lord says, don't take my name in vain, that Hebrew word actually means to lift, right? Or to bear, or to carry, or take. What it doesn't say is speak, right? I'm not saying that the speak thing isn't important. You should just use the Lord's name as a swear word and speak it vainly. But it doesn't say that. It actually says, don't lift or bear his, or carry his name in vain. So if you read it that way, it says, you shall not lift, bear, or carry the Lord's name in vain. Yeah, you can check the Hebrew. Come back if I've got it wrong, if my Hebrew is different from the other Hebrew, right? But I don't think it is. So have a wee think about this. This is important. This is what I really, I thought a lot about this. How do we bear or lift or carry the Lord's name? Well, we all bear his name. Christian. 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 All of us. Does anybody here not bear his name? No? You can't help it. You're a Christian. How do we lift his name? Well, we're praising his name and lifting it. We carry it as a banner. There's even songs about lifting his name as a banner. So when we're out there walking down that street, if people know we're Christians, we're carrying his name as a banner. If we're praising the Lord, we're lifting his name on high. We're the only people that do it. The Muslims don't, the Hindus don't, the world don't. 
were lifting his name on high. And how do you take somebody's name? Well, if you get married to me, you take my name. Somebody's already done that, so I'm taking. If I adopt you, you take my name. So we've taken the name of Christ. So this isn't just about speaking things. This is about who we are in Christ. It's about the fact that we bear his name. And we've not to do that in vain. That's deeper. That's much deeper. Yeah? So, if that's the case, how do we do it in vain? How do we do it in vain? So we've got that. So we we all understand that we do carry it. We do praise them, etc. How can we do that in vain? So, the word vain means pointlessly. How on earth can I bear the Lord's name pointlessly? I'm a Christian, I walk about, I tell people I'm a Christian, I come to church, I I read my Bible, I pray. How can I do that vainly? How on earth? Let's see what the Bible says. Here's an example. I was going to give a wee kind of anecdotal example, but here's an example that Jesus gives. And he's talking to his favourite people, the Pharisees. He says, hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you. So this is from Isaiah, you can read it in Isaiah. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. I'm sorry if that sounds a wee bit hard. It's not for you, it's for the Pharisees. None of us are Pharisees. We're alright. But you can see the principle behind it. You can see the fact that if you don't live the life, the way the Pharisees done, Jesus says, they draw near with their lips. Hi, I'm a Christian. Look at me, everybody. Hearts are elsewhere. Jesus knows the heart of man. Jesus knows your heart. He knows your heart. He knows knows my heart. You don't, Adele. You don't know what I'm thinking. I look great on the outside, I can be as shiny as a wee tack. You don't know what's going on inside, but God does. Yeah, in vain they worship me. So the Pharisees, the most religious people of the time, nice gowns, wee hats and all the rest of it, you know, sitting in the high seat in the temple, teaching the people, yes, this is what you should do, uh-huh, and this is how you should follow the Lord. Oh, that law, no, you're interpreting that one wrong. Let me explain that to you better. And the people coming around them, Rabbi, Rabbi. Oh, and they were all feeling good. Look at us, we're the top boys. We run the whole show. And what did God say about them? Look good on the outside. See on the inside, filthy. Jesus said that. They were like cups. He said clean on the outside, but the inside full of filth. And he pointed out something very specific. He said, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now that can seem as to us, well, what does it mean? Well, it means if you take the word... And you decide that, look, see this little tradition? It's really important. I'm going to start teaching it as though it's God's word. Then you've really stepped out of line. Michael spoke about it, not this week, but last. He says, there will be people stand before God say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out devils in your name? We did great signs and wonders. And the Lord will say, don't even know you. Everything they've done, everything the Pharisees done was in vain. They'll stand before God one day and say, oh, hello, Jesus. Uh, you're like, and they'll go, don't know you. In vain you worship. Imagine standing in church. Imagine coming. It's quite sad, isn't it? Imagine being a person that comes to church and you worship. Oh, this is great. i the Lord. And the Lord's just looking down going, do you know what? Pointless. It's no good to you. It's no good to me. It's no good to anyone. So the Pharisees were a good example of worshipping the Lord in vain. And the, the main kind of underlying trend of this is that by setting up their own righteousness 
their own thinking, they took away the grace of God. Took it away from themselves, they took it away from the people. Covered it up. The Bible says that they had the keys to the kingdom and they locked it up against folk. So their lives were lived in vain. It can be us. We can do a lot for God, but unless it's His will, it's all in vain. And the Bible says that. You know, we all try our best. I'm not putting people down, far from it. I'm a big sinner. Hey. You know, this to me, I read these things and I get more conviction than anyone else, so don't think it's all. You know, but it's true. You can do a whole lot of things for God, you think you're right. But unless there is perfect will, unless they're in line with the word, waste of time. Complete waste of time. Big charity. Give all your money. What does Paul say unless you've got love? Give all your money away. Do this, do that. Give your whole life. Doesn't matter. It's in vain. It's got to be God's will. Got to be God's will. So to me, I thought, my goodness, Lord, that's heavy. You could live your life as a Christian and stand before you. How do you do it? How do you do it? That doesn't put the willies on you that, my goodness, I don't want to be one of these people. How do you do it? And then in the next commandment, I did say I'd only do one, but I've got to do this one. The fourth commandment, God explains it, and it's absolutely beautiful. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So God didn't make a law and then not make a way. He's a loving, caring God. The, the Israelites had no, it was black and white, blessing or curse. It was, the, the, wasn't it? the grace was you done the right thing or you didn't. But for us, remember the Sabbath day rest. And why did I say that? Well, the Pharisees, their problem was they were doing it their own way. The rest that we've got, and I'm going to read this. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works. So how do we avoid being in vain? We cease from our own works. We just give it up. We just say, Lord, I don't want to do it my way anymore. Jesus said, come all to me, unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So he's not a bad God. Oh, here's the condemnation. Boy, you better get it right. Don't live in vain. And you're thinking, God, how do I not live in vain? How do I check that? How, where's, my, where's my measurement? Am I, am I living it in vain here? Or, how do I know? I know when I'm doing it right, when I've given all to Jesus. When I've come to his rest. Come and rest. Come and rest from your own work. Come and rest from the pain. Come and rest from striving. Striving at work. I want to be the best. I want to be a director. I want to be this. I want to be that. Striving in your own strength and give it all to the Lord. All your sin, everything, come unto me and rest all you who are burdened and heavy laden. That commandment sits there and if you just make it about going to church on a Sunday, take a wee day off Graham, come to church. You have to, you're a pastor. <laughs> You'd struggle no way. Take a wee day off, it means nothing. But when we enter Christ's rest, we've given up our own works completely is that not beautiful God says the right way to do it is not to do it that's back to front that's not our thinking and the Lord knew that I mean in the, to the Hebrews he knew look if I don't tell them to take a day off they're Jews they'll work every day they'll make a lot of money they'll have Wall Street they'll destroy the whole world and I'm not accusing my family are Jewish by the way so I can say what I want to be Jews right <coughs> A lot of Jewish people in Wall Street mucked up the finances, but there was a lot of other people who weren't Jewish. But I know what they'll do. They'll want to trade 24-7. They'll want their shops opened all the time. They won't bother about me. They'll not have a day for me. They get one day. One day's rest. People, we've got eternal rest. 
right now in Christ just give it up to him give it up once you've given it up and you do what he wants that's it so our rest is what Jesus said in the garden of Gethsemane nevertheless Lord not my will but thy will such a struggle for us sometimes isn't it don't want to do that just give up give it to the Lord come to his rest half an hour one more fifth commandment honour your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you and as I said earlier that's a strange commandment the law has now been passed to be nice to your mum and dad why? Lord what were you thinking? Why, why, why have you written that in Ten Commandments be nice to your mum and dad? Simple. Teaches you discipline. Honour your mother and father. It teaches you discipline. Kids today don't know anything about discipline. My wee boy's a negotiator. He's going to work for the UN. Everything's negotiable. That's my fault. That's my fault, but everything's negotiable. Right? There's no deference, there's no respect, there's, it's just dad said it, but you know what, I can maybe negotiate a better deal. <laughs> or I can maybe go to mum and she'll do a better deal and I'll go back to dad with a new deal. Yeah? Honour your father and mother. Discipline. Do as you're told. And that discipline lasts the rest of your life. The discipline you learn at home, you'll take with you to school, and you'll take with you to work. And you'll take through your life. Now we've all passed that. We've either had it or not. I had a very undisciplined life. It's shown in the way I ended up before I get saved. But for our children, it's important. It teaches deference to authority, as I say. So the kids today, the way they think at school now, as parents actually send their kids to school, and they'll actually tell you, oh, the teachers are supposed to teach them discipline. <laughs> Seriously? 30 kids in a class teach them all discipline come on it's got to be done at home teaches you humility them to get perfect parents well grew up in normal households some of you might have had God bless you mine weren't they mine were just human beings like me yeah so it teaches you to be humble even when you know they're wrong and they're talking rubbish like making you do the hoover why would I want to do that or tidy your room humble deference honour them what a difference that would make teaches you compassion isn't it? If everybody honoured their father and mother, here they are getting older and they're getting even more annoying and they're doing things you just, Annabelle, <laughs> everybody goes through it. You know, my father in law, what a man, fight with an empty room. But you had to respect him. You had to respect him. Teaches you compassion, teaches you wisdom from your elders. If you're not honouring them, you're not going to listen to them. You just close the door, don't you? We've all been through it as teenagers. I actually still remember being a teenager more than I remember yesterday. And it teaches you forgiveness. Honouring your father and mother because they are going to sin against you because everybody will one time. So if you can honour your father and mother it teaches you forgiveness. So I'll leave it at that. There's, There's... a couple of others there obviously that I won't cover but maybe another time we can talk about it so just a wee summary then so have no other gods yeah we all agree with that yeah let's get rid of our idols let's not pretend because we're in the 21st century that we don't have idols we do anything that we put in front of God's an idol end of any face that we put before the Lord's idol let's get rid of them don't take his name in vain nobody wants to be there Nobody wants to live a vain life as a Christian. So let's live our lives to the full. Vain means empty. 
in the Hebrew. It just means emptiness. I want a full Christian life. Not an empty one. We're all here tonight to be filled up. To spend time with him. So let's live our lives to the full. In sincerity. And let's rest in him. Let's not just take a day off on a Sunday. We're off Lord. We're here. Great. Back to work. Let's rest in Christ. All the time. And for those of us who are fathers and mothers are still alive, and I know there can be nuisances, I'm not going to claim that my mum is, I won't say a word, but let's honour them. Let's honour them and let's teach our children, and our children's children, how to honour their parents. God bless you. Let's just pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that it's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Lord, that you hide your treasures throughout the Bible, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament. And Lord, that you speak to us through these things. I pray, Father, that these few words I've spoken tonight would rest with the people, Lord, that I hope in some way I've made sense about what I was trying to go over. But Lord, that it would inspire us to get closer to you. Help us, Father, to put away our idols, Lord. We're all... Well, I know I'm guilty, Lord. I know I'm guilty of not spending the time I should be you. Help us, Lord, to spend more time seeking your face. And Lord, help us to rest in you. We struggle so much, Father. We do so many things on our own strength, our own thoughts, our own plans. Help us, Lord, to rest more in you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.